0: I invite you to turn with me to 1st Corinthians chapter 11 and I will read just verses 23 to 26. Just three verses. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he'd given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of this sermon might be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Grant this, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Chris Lemons had big plans. Perhaps you can remember uh, or perhaps you're at this point in your life. Chris was about to get married and he was making plans. Uh, His bride-to-be was preparing for the party and the celebration. Uh, He was focused on the home. He'd been able to purchase some land and they had gotten plans and were laying the foundation of the home that they were going to have for themselves. Home, their new family. Uh, Can you remember that time in your life, the expectations, the excitements on the horizon? Well September 18th he was on assignment. He was on a ship in the North Sea. But Chris wasn't a sailor, at least not exactly. Chris, his job was an underwater diver. Uh, He was sent in a little compartment down to the ocean floor and his responsibility was to lay pipes. Those pipes through which that oil flows that give us our electricity and air conditioning and all the things we depend upon. He would be at sea for three weeks at a time. Uh, The divers worked in shifts and uh, he and one other diver were on the ocean floor while a third kind of supervisor was in the little pod that uh, connected to them. They had uh, a kind of umbilical cord that provided the oxygen and the power for their their lights and all of their tools that they needed. Uh, You could probably imagine without much information that such a work is pretty dangerous storm had come uh, on the top of the sea. And uh, in the control panel, a red light came on. The positioning device had malfunctioned. So they were quickly told the two divers to get back into the pod for safety's sake. So uh, Chris's partner went first, and then he was following when his umbilical cord got snagged on the pipe. And it was torn from his suit. Uh, He had a reserve pack, but it just had six minutes of oxygen. And when he was unable to uh, orient himself, uh, he thought all was lost. Uh, In fact, he remembers thinking to himself, is this how my life is going to end? Who is going to tell my wife what's happened? And then darkness overcame him. He didn't know how long he was at the floor of the ocean his partner uh, was sent back uh, immediately to go get him they thought it was a salvage mission in fact they thought that thought was nearly confirmed when they brought him into the pod his face was blue when they got his uh, helmet off he'd been underwater for 16 minutes without oxygen and yet when they began CPR he came to life how would you like to be an underwater diver no thanks But I tell you this much, if you were an underwater diver, you'd want that cord that brought you oxygen to be secure, wouldn't you? I want to suggest today, as we come to this table, we are coming to that which gives life to the church. And I want to warn you, we can get separated from that which gives life. In fact, perhaps that's happened. There's a reason that Jesus has placed this meal at the center of our life together. Notice what Paul says in this passage. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. Right at the center of Paul's understanding of the ministry of the church is this observance. But it's not the meal itself, of course. It's what the meal points to. It points to the fact that Jesus died for our sins. You know, there are some things that can be at the periphery of somebody's understanding of themselves that uh, doesn't really matter that much to us, right? For example, there was an NBA player some time ago uh, who told the world that he believed the world was flat hard to imagine someone believing the world was flat. I was especially horrified when I learned he went to my alma mater. I'm not sure if uh, he took many earth science classes. But you know, he's not teaching earth science, and I don't mind him being on our team if he can make his free throws. Because the way he looks at the world is not central to his work on the basketball court. All sorts of ideas that can circle around in a congregation of people. Do we recognize that right at the center of what makes us the church is the conviction that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins? It tells us something about the nature of sin. If we just went two chapters over to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we see this. Verse 3, for what I received, I passed on to you. Again, Paul uses that formula. This didn't originate with Paul. He received it. And here he says of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised. For Paul, right at the center of his teaching, is that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins. It's not just Paul, is it? We see throughout the Gospels In fact, before Jesus' public ministry, do you remember when the angel was sent to Joseph? That moment in time when Joseph just learned that his beloved bride was with child. He assumed what anyone would assume that she had been unfaithful to him. He decided to break off the engagement in a way that would be least disruptive, not only to him but to her. When the angel came in the night, I've often thought uh, when I've thought about that encounter with Joseph. That The Lord's timing is quite unique, isn't it? Don't you think he could have been told a little earlier? So he wouldn't have been surprised? And yet, the angel came. And notice what the angel said in Matthew 1, uh, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Notice he doesn't say, uh, the angel doesn't say to Joseph, Jesus is going to come and teach people how to be good. Uh, The angel doesn't say to Joseph, he's going to come and he's going to leave these principles that every parent in the nation can use to shape their household. He's going to come to set people free from their sins. In John's gospel, when John the Baptist was proclaiming, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you remember what he said when he saw Jesus coming? Verse 35, verse 36, excuse me. Uh, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Peter, who had a lifetime to reflect on what he saw after being with Jesus, uh, puts it this way. In, cha- in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, he said, for Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You know what that tells us? Tells us a couple of things. One, it tells us that sin is serious. That sin is something God doesn't ignore. You know, we live in a time where people are very religious. Sometimes it surprises people when they ask uh, about San Francisco. And, And growing up in San Francisco, I've heard my father say this, certainly it confirms with my experience though I was not an adult, but often I've heard my father asked about what's it like to be a pastor in San Francisco, this uh, city that's kind of infamous as being irreligious. I've heard my father say many times that Washington, D.C. is a much more irreligious place. He said San is a very religious place, very religious. But people believe any and everything. People chase after transcendental meditation. People worship crystals. People go to palm readers. People read their astrological charts. People are religious. The one thing that is insufferable to this religious people is when you claim universal truth that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way to come to God but through him. That's what's so offensive. I think increasingly that's offensive, not only in San Francisco, but in Stanton, Virginia. And yet we hold to that truth because Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins. That's at the heart of why we hold on to that. So, the first thing I want you to hear today is that God takes sin seriously. He takes it so seriously that He sent His Son to die, to carry away the guilt and the separation that sin brings but there's a second truth that we learn from this Paul put it in Romans chapter 5 verse 8 for while we were yet sinners Christ died it tells us something about God's love for us do you ever feel unworthy you know that's a, a a statement that's commonly expressed today people feel a sense of insecurity Uh, There are all sorts of ways that people try to deal with their insecurity today. One is to to try to blame others. Maybe you've been around people who've blamed others for why they're insecure. They felt like they weren't loved as a child. Maybe they weren't. Uh, Maybe they weren't treated well as children. Uh, Sometimes they believe that society was against them. History uh, told stories that made them feel less important. And maybe it did. It can all sorts of reasons that people think make them insecure. And yet here's the problem. All of our love, all of our meaning, everything we can possibly do is fragile, and we will always be insecure when our meaning is tied to those things. You could have the best parents in the world and still be insecure. Think about it in your own life. Uh, It may be that you have caused hurt and pain to others. What can anchor us in our understanding of who we are? There's nothing like the forgiveness and the the love that Jesus' death on the cross reminds us of. That God loves us not because we're good enough, not because we've done what is right, but because of who God is. But the question comes, what will we do with that? Uh, It's not only the fact that we see in this meal that we're reminded of the heart of the gospel, that God takes sin seriously, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins, that this is a gift for all who call upon him, that God loves us unconditionally. That also extends to the way we look at others. Are there people in your life that you have trouble loving? I suspect there are. Maybe they're sitting next to you. No, I'm just kidding. I hope not. In fact, I doubt that's the case, really. Might be who you're looking at. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But it's often the case that there are people in our life who've hurt us. They've hurt our loved ones. They've done things or championed things that are destructive, that, that hurt our hearts, make us worried. And yet what we see in this meal is a reminder of how much God loves them. How much God loves even those who are entangled in lives of destruction. I do not think one can lose one's salvation. And the reason I believe that is because of what the Bible says about God's promises, about the covenant. This is a reminder of a covenant, a a promise that God has made to us. That does not mean that the church cannot experience judgment. The church can. We see that in Revelation if you're studying uh, in a Sunday school class. The disobedient church. What tethers the church is the gospel. It's this meal. It's God's love and it's God's victory over sin. May we receive it and may it open our eyes and fill us with joy and purpose. God grant it. Amen.